This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle with Insider Perks here, as always, with Kara Sismadia from the Canadian Camping and RV Council. We are really excited to launch our very first glamping-focused show today that's going to happen on a regular basis. We're going to do this on the second week of every single month going forward. We're going to have some really regular guests like we do on our other topical-based shows. We're still putting that together, but one of them is joining us today. Maybe two of them, if he can connect. But Mr. Ruben Martinez is here. He's going to talk a little bit about his work, his extensive history in glamping, founder of the Glamping Hub, leader of the American Glamping Association, and all kinds of other things that we hopefully will hear about today and maybe start to uncover. So super excited to have Ruben here with us. He's normally on our open discussion show the first week, but we're going to shift into this one because his expertise, as you'll soon hear, is very clearly in glamping. And I'll let him introduce himself in a second. But then we are also going to have, hopefully, David Smith join us on the show from Outside Capital. He's not probably as well-known within campground circles, but uh, hopefully we'll introduce him to you and then share his extensive knowledge with you as well. He's just having a few connection issues right now on attempting to join us as well. So, Ruben, do you want to... Actually, before I start, I, I always forget to do this, Kara. Our show episode, episode today is sponsored by Let's Camp. Their slogan, and I feel like I don't want to give them advice because they're a sponsor, but they should also have a connecting glampers with glamp grounds slogan as well that we can just interchangeably swap out for them based on the topic of the show. But I'm pretty sure they do work with glamping resorts and things like that. And if they don't, then now they've got exposure here that we're giving them. So hopefully if you're looking for a reservation system or something like that, be sure to check out Let's Camp. We're going to play a brief video for them and then we'll be right back. Still taking campground bookings the old way? Ready to smash your phone or laptop because you're frustrated by dated booking software? Ever heard of Let's Camp? You can get your campground found online. Your campers will manage their own bookings, and you can manage your campground from anywhere. It doesn't get any easier than Let's Camp. Visit join.letscamp.ca to get started. All right, we're back. Super grateful again to Let's Camp for being a sponsor of this episode. Let's get right into it. So, Ruben, do you want to just, let's treat this as, since it's our first glamping episode, right? Obviously, you and I know each other. You've met Kara before, of course, been on the show multiple times. Let's treat this as a, who is Ruben? Let's, let's pretend nobody knows who Ruben is. So just tell us, maybe your, start with your backstory. How did you begin in glamping? Yeah, ter- it's not going to be terribly exciting, so feel free, we can pivot as need be, but no, thanks for having me on the show. There's the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Welcome, Davis. Welcome. and I, I promise you that Dave hey, will be far more interesting and exciting than, um, I will ever be, but, uh, but yeah, I started back in the glamping space about a decade ago, started a company called glamping hub where the Airbnb, but for glamping with a good buddy of mine, we'd actually weren't really glamping experts and had never built a website before. So as I joke, we were the two logical people to start a glamping website. But yeah, over the years, just got really involved in the space. Just saw it grow from not only California to New York to Florida, all over, but then globally as well. In the UK and other European markets, it was a bit more mature and there was a lot more companies and development and cash in the field. But then it just started really to expand to all sorts of random markets and we are where we are today. And then along the way, I started the American Glamping Association because as we know, whether it's the campground world, RV world, glamping, unique hospitality, hotel world, any type of hospitality in general, there's just hurdles, right? It's hard to build a business. It's hard to find the capital. It's hard to do the permitting. It's just, it's a, it's super rewarding, but it, it's difficult. And often you can feel, especially in the unique outdoor 
lodging and glamping space, you just feel alone and like, you don't really have an expert to, to rely on. So we started the association to provide tools and resources and network and community to anybody and everybody that's active in the space. And then along the way met David Smith, who obviously he can do a lot better of an introduction than I can ever do. But one of the largest hurdles in the space is always capital. And so David's done just a great job within the space of really thinking critically, thinking about unique ways to kind of mold together traditional hospitality financing and campground financing and other hospitality sectors that have a lot more data into glamping, which can just feel a little bit more niche and unique and not as, not as much data. And so for David, I don't know how long we've known each other since 1964, 65, maybe something like that. But yeah, we've, it, it's been exciting to see how the industry has grown. It's been exciting to see what David and Outside Capital have been able to do within the space of thinking about different investments and different ways to look at the space. And yeah, so just as always and every single day, every single week, every single month, just excited to see what's next for the space. I'd like to pretend um, that I know what's really going to happen over the next uh, week or month, but that's actually just David. He knows everything. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's the gist of it. Awesome. I'm super excited to dive into that and unpack what Glamping Hub is a little bit more and also what the AGA is, just so people can really deep dive into you the first time they're quote meeting you right on the Glamping Focus episode. Anyway, David is a new face. Like I didn't even know David. I feel like until, I don't know, two weeks ago when Randy Hendrickson suggested that he might be a good fit for glamping and then Ruben, you backed it up and so did some other people. And so I actually talked to David last night on the phone, just explaining a little bit about the history of modern campground and fireside chats and why we wanted him to be on the show and things like that. And I intentionally did not, he probably thought I was rude in the beginning because I'm hit sitting here like blabbing all about myself. And I didn't ask him a single question about his background or anything like that, but that was on purpose. I told him at the end of the phone call because I wanted him to do it live so I could ask some of the feedback on this show and participate and, and learn with everybody else. So David, take it away. Introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. No, th thank you. You didn't sound rude at all. <laughs> Pleased to be with you guys for inviting me on. Yeah, I'll try and a quick snapshot of my back. I You're a little bit, I don't know if it's, it's me or a little bit choppy, David. I'm not sure if it's your okay. wireless headphones or. Yeah, let me see if I. And don't worry about it because I have technical difficulties about once every five or six minutes. There's always something that I'll mess up in the show. So don't feel bad. Give me the, uh, if I'm going to switch my headphones. No problem. No problem at all. Let's, let's give David a minute. Ruben, talk to me about Glamping Hub. Obviously you introduced it briefly. You said it's the Airbnb of glamping, but more specifically when, as far as when you started it, talk us through that kind of journey to where it is now, what you've learned, how it's evolved, what's changed, maybe how the audience is different, where you think it's going next. And I know that's a lot to unpack. No, yeah. But just talk for as long as David needs to get his microphone set up. Is what we're really <laughs> I'm new microphone. So if, if you can hear me better now, I can give Ruben a second. I think we can. Is it better for you, Kara, or is it still choppy a little bit? It's still choppy for me, but that could be me. <laughs> All right. I, I'll try it, Ruben. Can you answer that question and I'll. All good. Yeah, I think what's interesting too, because people who are listening now, with the space in general, it really, it's evolved every single year. And so imagine what it was 10 years ago. This idea, we know glamping of today where campgrounds are starting to add safari tents and yurts and domes and RV park. There's mixed usage now at all sorts of parks and it's become a bit more mainstream, right? And now you don't look at a dome at a campground and say, what the hell is that? Whoa, maybe you haven't stayed in one, but it's becoming a bit more mainstream. You look at Airbnb's homepage for the last three years, it's been a glamping unit up there. It hasn't been an apartment. It hasn't been. Has it really? I didn't even notice that to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. It, their hero image and their hero page for the last definitely two years, if not three or four has been maybe a little miniature, a frame, a dome, a yurt, something like that. So they knew along the kind of power of what unique outdoor lodging space was giving to the market, but you know, that's now. And, and 10 years ago, it was a little cliche, you use the word glamping and people just were like, they would look at you funny. Like you had three heads. They would act as if 
that was a, it, only $10,000 a night for an ADR or above, like super high end. They just, it wasn't as well known. When I started in the space, part of that mission was to be able to provide a little bit more access to these fake, you, you go to these properties, you stay in a yurt, you stay in a safari tent. And if it's for your first time, a lot of times you say, wow, like why haven't I been doing this all along? I don't know why I gave it such a, maybe a bad rap all, all along, but you need to have experienced it for you to form your own opinion to then maybe tell people. At the beginning, it was a lot of just access to information, getting people access to these beautiful properties that had fantastic hope and were in great areas. And I think the main thing that I look back on is how much it really has changed over the last decade. And then what will happen here moving forward? I don't know what you guys have seen so far. It'd be great to hear what you guys see on a kind of daily, weekly, monthly basis. But I feel like there was such a big separation between you're a campground, you're an RV owner, and you were glamping and you stayed separate. But now that's not so much the case. I feel like there's just more integration, a lot more mixed usage and, but that took a while. So I don't know if that's what you guys are seeing as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think we're seeing a lot of operators looking to diversify. It's a great way up here, especially to extend your season and get more business in the door in those shoulder months of the year and maybe into the winter. I know there's some great properties that are installing glamping units so that they can run year round. And I think it's a testament. I always talk about how adaptable the folks in this industry are. And I think that's just another way that they're demonstrating that is that willingness to diversify and expand and provide that elevated or different, varied experience from just the same kind of in the box plan all the time. Now let's take this. I have a question here, Ruben, with glamping specifically, and pardon my ignorance, just because I don't have enough time as I always want to have time to research all the things I can possibly research and know. But for Glamping Hub, obviously there's an opportunity for individual glamping resorts to get listed. Are there opportunities for campgrounds to list their occupant or for they can do on there, there's not many glamping specific websites out there. And so the glamping hub will only take the glamping specific units that they take away. They don't do camping or they don't do RVs, but as you look at a, a camp spot or the dirt or Airbnb, it does, I mean, there's a big reach, right? And yep. they've got the different new filters that are on top on Airbnb that say dirt or dome or whatnot. I mean, at the end of the day, OTAs do one thing really well, which is drive new organic traffic, new eyeballs to the space and usually decently validated eyeballs. But at the end of the day, for most campground owners, for most RV park glamp sites, you really want to be able to drive as much traffic to their website as possible because they're going to be able to keep a bit more, obviously, of their transaction and that ADR and the revenue. So it's, it's mixed, right? It, it, there's different, it's like a, like when you go golfing, there's just different clubs that you use, right? And so these OTAs are a specific club. Your website's going to be a specific club, but at the end of the day, what Glamping has shown us over the last two years is that people are seeing some really exciting occupancy and really exciting margins and really exciting return on investments. And sometimes you just really got to scrap that together through a lot of different avenues. It's actually a really good analogy, the golf bag. Like I'm not a big golfer, but it's a really good analogy to have the right club for the right situation, the right tool for the right, whatever person type of guest, whoever you're trying to attract, wherever you're trying to reach them. I definitely appreciate that. And I think Kara is a golfer. I saw you post sometime on Facebook, didn't I, that you were going golfing, Kara? I wouldn't call me a golfer. I oh. attempt to golf and do it very poorly. I did that 20 years ago with my grandpa. It didn't work out. I tipped over the golf cart once with him though, when I was like 17, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I golf, I golf fairly regularly, but it doesn't improve my game, but I am appreciative of the analogy too. I agree. I think that variety of tools in the toolbox is necessary and it's a great way to, uh, kind of give yourself as an operator, the ability to pivot and change quickly and re-strategize and try different things. So yeah, I agree. I no, and you got, yeah, exactly. I'm really good at sitting in a cart and drinking beer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think one way to think about it too, is that for many first time users of a glamping unit, it could be a little bit outside of their comfort zone. It's in the middle of nowhere. It could be a little bit pricier. They've never been there before and they need the right type of information, the right type of 
descriptions, photos, videos, because it can really be a once in a lifetime or just a great experience that they do come back time and time again. But for a new user, it's not like, okay, there's a camp spot. I, I get it. I'm now looking at the area. I'm now looking at things to do. Yeah. Those first time users do look a lot more at, what is the unit? Is there a bathroom in there? What is, what do I have to bring and not bring? And it's just a different wind up experience, if you will, before, before the purchase. I think we have David back, hopefully with good audio this time. And I will apologize, David, if you have a Mac, it's completely my fault because there's actually a, some privacy settings and things you have to tweak. Maybe that's why it's not working on your desktop, but we'll fix that next month. If that's the case. No, no apologies are wrong. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Now. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bit better. I'm really sorry about that. I've tried, I don't have a Mac. I tried my PC or webcams. Now I'm it's still, my... yeah, it's just, it's weird. It's tropic. It's chopping in and out every like fifth word. Yep. So I don't know. It's really, hmm. is it for everybody else or is it just me? No, me too. Okay. I don't know. You can try. Let's try. We'll try. <laughs> they can just insert whatever blank they think you're saying. Oh boy. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Look, I can, I just can't make out what I'm saying just to you because I'm having a great conversation, but my background is I was explaining, it comes from, from a different, uh, um, I started my financial services world working a large, uh, a largest in New York city, ultimate transitioning back to the hospitality, had a passion from an life and spot where I was, I was working. I think David, I don't mean to introduce you, interrupt you, but I feel like we're not going to do David justice. If we let David okay. do his intro that okay. you agree, Ruben, or no, I'm going to like, I feel like you're really cool, like important, awesome person based on what I've heard of you. And I feel like I'm definitely, am I right, Ruben? I feel like we're going to miss too much of this important stuff. If we let him do this way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Disappointing. Uh, Check the Facebook stream too. And it's struggling as well. Uh, you guys, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if you go back and if you hop in that privacy settings, David, if there's anything that you can do there to switch it up, right? Pop back in. But if not, we'll, we'll reload. We'll try again. Awesome. Oh, Sorry, David. Thanks. Yeah. We'll have, we'll have you on next month if that's the case. And we'll introduce you and talk to you everything. If you can't figure it out, don't worry about it. But I just want to make sure you were doing you justice, right? No, I appreciate it. I'm going to listen. Okay. So anyway, we have those technical issues all the time. No big deal. I don't know. Last week I was missing from the show for 20 minutes, which really just mm -hmm. made it better. But uh, <laughs> Ruben, tell us about, uh, let's pivot here for a second and talk about the other big kind of thing that you do. And that's the American Glamping Association. And I'm interested in this from two different parts, right? One is I want you to tell us about the American Glamping Association, what it does, how it functions, maybe why you feel it was necessary. And then Kara, from your perspective, I prepped you a little bit for this question, but I'm interested in the dynamics of how do existing campground associations and from the Canadian Camping and RV Council, of course, how do they pivot? Do they want to pivot? And if so, what's different maybe about serving glamping resort members needs versus others, but Ruben, go ahead and please start. Yeah, no. So the association was started out of a mandate from the industry. Actually, we got approached a lot by owners, operators, investors, whomever, that if the glamping industry still feels a little wild west now, a little fragmented and up and coming, imagine a decade ago. And we started it to try and do our best to make sure that the industry was heading in the right direction. And more importantly, that all the aspiring business owners were getting the tools and resources that they needed so that they could get their businesses off the ground. The worst case scenario that we saw was people were putting effort, time, money, sanity, and then they would just hit a wall and say, I just can't do it because I couldn't get through permitting or I just couldn't, I, I didn't find the right connection for a banking connection for a loan, whatever it might be. And in that case, really everybody loses. Right. The user doesn't have place to stay. The manufacturer doesn't get a sale. That business owner doesn't get off the ground. And it was just a, the worst case scenario in all the scenarios. So we started to make sure that scenario in specifically just didn't happen or didn't happen as much. But fast forward to today, we have a member meetup call. We have a communication channel that's just for members. There's a magazine, a podcast. It's safe to say that we talk all day, every day. And really at the end of the day, some of the key items where people typically have one or two things that are really top of mind for them. They might 
like I said, they might struggle because there's a neighbor who doesn't want them to get their glamping operation up and running, or they need marketing help or shoot. They didn't think about insurance and insurance carriers are looking at some of these accommodations saying, I don't know what bucket to put that in. I don't know how to classify that. And so we really just work with the members individually just to make sure that they're getting to their version of their finish line. And it's one of those of elevating the industry the best way that we can. We hope that maybe people, the goal is that people don't need us eventually, right? That we can help, they can still support the industry, but at the same time, they get what they need. They turn back around and, and help other members, which is something that we, our group of AGA members are just fantastic people who not only been there and done that, but don't hesitate to turn back around and help somebody else who also might need some help. So it really is this networking community. And to, to your question about other associations, we try and do our best to, we feel like we're better, stronger, and more effective when we are partnering with as many of like-minded organizations as possible, because every organization, everybody always wishes that they had more time of the day and more resources. And so at the end of the day, our mandate is to just serve members and make sure that they get what they need. So if they're successful, then we're successful. And however we do that with other partnerships, we're always open to that. But that, yeah, that's the general idea with the association is that trying to do our best to make that glamping world and industry a little bit more tangible within reach accessible. And we're the biggest kind of supporters and fans for everybody's operation. We're that supportive parent. It's just trying to make sure that the kiddo gets what they need and that they're successful. That's well, I think that's a, a really good segue into what the question I ask Kara is working with other different associations. I think there's a place for everybody at the table to work together cooperatively in a like-minded manner to just help who needs help. And when a great example of that is your relationship, I think with Diana Kelly in California, who's always on your calls, who's always supportive, who's going to speak at the glamping show, who's always available to help whenever she needs to. And she's a, a great executive director. So I think that's, would you say that's fair to say that's a blueprint for a, a perfect model that seems to work well? Yeah. I think one thing is clear is that if we, from an associate, from any association, from any industry standpoint, if it's a one for one where we rely on one expert or just one organization, I think everybody not fails, but you're not looking at some of the opportunities that could be there because there's some great experts that are out there. Diana Kelly is one of them where we do rely on her expertise in many scenarios. And we try and surround ourselves with people who are, David Smith is that perfect example, just a great thinker when it comes to the kind of investment and kind of opportunity future looking, not only from glamping, but hotels and campgrounds and packaging all of that together. And there's some just really intelligent, experienced people out there. And our job is to do the best to connect everybody. So that value is there and not we. Hopefully, I don't think we position ourselves as we are the end all expert. We're more of a connector and a network and a community and we're experts in many things, but at the same time, we do like to make sure that our members are being connected with the experts. Cause yeah, there's just, there's a lot of just smart, fantastic, intelligent people in this space. Yeah. yeah you can't always, be everything to everyone. So yeah, it's always 12 brains or 40 brains or whatever, are always better than one. Ruben, can I ask how many members do you have? Yeah, there's a bit over, so we counted by organization. So there's a little bit over 500 organizations and each organization can have one or a hundred members in there. So it just depends and, and people are active in different ways. We've got people who are advisors, people who are preferred partners, people who are kind of active helpers in the baking side, for example. So yeah, we've got great organizations and more and more that join every, I, yeah, I'm Honestly, not just saying this, but every, my first year doing anything and everything glamping, one of the main interview questions that would come up for any article or anything like that, a podcast was, do you feel like this is a fad? And I get that question still to this day. And every year since then, we've had record growth every single, every, within the industry as a whole, every single year, maybe one day there'll be a plateau, but I'm not seeing it. And so there's just some great organizations that we see that come to us every single week that are just, it's exciting. Like just the new ideas, the crazy ideas, the just unique accommodations and markets that they're in. I've long said, I'm not going to say, Hey, I've seen it all. Cause every week I'm surprised at the creative projects that are happening. Absolutely. How many could you give a rough estimate of percentage of those are mixed use members that, that have 
RV spots and glamping units and all of that? Yeah. So 70 to 75% of the members are operators. So aspiring new existing veteran operators. I will say over the last three years or so, there's been a huge uptick in mixed use. So campground. So five years ago, rarely would we see a campground that would come to us now all the time, every single month. And again, they're not coming and saying we're a campground and now we're completely switching over to glamping. It's, Hey, we had room for expansion. We either taking some of these RV pads and we're putting five glamping units there. And now we have 50 camp spots and 25 RV pads and now five or 10 glamping spots. So over the last two or three years, the, there's been a tremendous uptick, but it's always very, every now and then we'll see the investor that comes in and completely redoes the park. He does, you know, it was an RV or campground and then now it's all camping. But I think the more common, the more common execution is mixed usage. They just got investment. They're putting in a new pool. They've got some more activities that are there and they, they look and say, Hey, we're not glamping experts, but we know if we put five or 10 in there, we'll just let it run for a season or two. And then usually what happens is after season one, after they've made their return, they say, yeah, we're going to add more or figure out how to do this down the road at another place. Going to roll with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, I'm asking just because that's what we're, I'm seeing up here as well as a lot of our members are obviously fundamentally or in the beginning were solely campground properties or RV park properties and are starting to really diversify their accommodation offerings. And so I think that speaks to the association needing address that shift in the industry, that shift from consumers and their interest in, in exploring experiences that aren't necessarily RV driven. Obviously we have really strong relationships with our RV manufacturers and dealers. And those are fundamental to the core, like success of our industry up here. But I do think it's great to see that diversification gets more and more bodies into campgrounds, even if they're staying in a glamping unit and exposes them to that lifestyle and all of the, like holistically, it's very beneficial to every kind of facet of the wheel in this industry. And what do you... Sorry. What you, just on that point, what do you think from what you're seeing from the traditional campground RV park owner that's now maybe thinking about it? What's that last hurdle in their mind before they actually say, Hey, I'll try it out. Is it permitting? Is it, there's a capital part of it as well. It's more of just, Hey, I don't really know if this is going to work out. What are you seeing? I feel like it can be a combination of factors. I hear most often, yeah, it's a permitting thing. There's obviously development and expansion permit required in counties that can vary quite a bit from location to location. And so that is, is, can be a barrier. I think the insurance thing is a big factor. Fortunately, we have, we actually have a great insurance partner, Signature Risk Insurance is doing a, a has a new product called Signature Park. They've been incredibly supportive of members who have been struggling to get coverage in place and things like that. And we're addressing those things, but yeah, those two are probably the biggest things I hear. The capital investment is big. It's tough to get to borrow money. And then coming out of COVID, I think operators ha- typically across the board had a really good strong year in 2021. And so I've heard from a couple who are like, I made a bit more money than I thought. So maybe I'm going to try this now. And we're seeing some diversification even there. I've had inquiries from a couple of companies that are essentially consulting with campgrounds. They own a couple of glamping units. They approach the campground and say, can I rent three of your sites for the year? And I'll give you this much percentage of whatever I sell. And that kind of can be a nice model for those parks that maybe have less staff and maybe can take on things like housekeeping and stuff like that. So again, that adaptability is really showing its colors specifically to solve some of these hurdles. But yeah, I think insurance and permitting is the big concern. There's a few spots I think where business has been good. We're not going to shake the boat too much yet. And but I think folks might be motivated to, to consider a shift if the market continues to go the way that it is and consumers are seeking experiences like this. I think you talk about, we talk about barriers to entry and Carrie, you shifted it a little bit to investment and things like that. Ruben, mm-hmm. I feel like this is probably a good opportunity to want to talk about the ways that you're helping people. And maybe, honestly, I know David will get on here next month 
if we can't get him back on before the episode and does it do his extensive intro, but do you want to just maybe since you've known him since 1964, <laughs> a little bit of a elevator pitch. So people know who they missed out on and who they can look forward to seeing next week. Yeah. Okay. No, David has extensive hospitality background experience. He worked for women Peterson, which was the real estate PE firm that backed AutoCamp. And so he's got great experience trying to find unique financing solutions for the unique lodging space. And now what he does is the founder director of outside capital is they're a vehicle that allows for a different view within the space. So for example, keep going back to a decade ago versus five years ago, but, and, and now, but traditional capital within this space, and there just isn't a lot of data, right. In, in glamping, you look at from an investment standpoint, you know, what you're going to get in an RV park, right? You may like it, you may not, but you can go back 75 years at 50 years, whatever it might be and say, all right, I feel comfortable with the returns. I feel comfortable with the return on investment. Same thing with campgrounds, right? There's just decades and decades worth of data, but in glamping there, there hasn't been, we're getting better and better, but it isn't, it isn't the data and that kind of financial data isn't as robust as in other outdoor hospitality spaces. So what's unique and great about what outside capital does is that David and I have been having these types of conversations literally for years now, and just about what glamping would need, what the capital would need for this space. And he was able to bring this idea to reality of an investment vehicle. That's a bit more agnostic instead of trying to back one brand and say, right, your brand X in glamping, you're going to have 15 different properties across all these different markets within the United States, which is really what has traditionally happened. They look at it as in, we're going to look at you deal by deal. Maybe we could be more active a partner. Maybe we could be more passive of a partner. They really strictly in this kind of unique outdoor lodging space and glamping and make investments where it would be impactful, not only for the market, for them and for the owners as well which sounds crazy, but that just hasn't really happened before. People have said, I need to put large sums of money into kind of backing one horse, one brand, and we're going to ride it through. And outside capital has done a really good job of just taking a look at deal, deal by deal, seeing what works well for their investment thesis and not about one brand and going to ride this thing out. That's been a big need in the space. So it's great to have outside capital fill that void and that gap. And generally speaking, I think just capital options are a bit more prevalent. I mean, you can still walk into banks today, but imagine just even a few years ago or pre-pandemic, you go to a bank and say, Hey, I want a million dollars for a glamping operation. And they're just going to say, you're crazy. And even if you show them the crazy returns that you're getting, the crazy return on investment, the business model of it. The fact that you can charge three times the amount for a hotel stay, but your accommodation is a fraction of the cost to purchase. It was just a nuance to them. They just really, the banks just didn't really quite understand it. It's starting to change. There are some banks that are really bullish about it, that are really starting to do not only small business loans, but different types of debt options that David will be a lot more versed and more intelligent about explaining all of those. And then now there's more family offices more private equity groups, venture capital groups that are really excited about the space, even hotel groups. Cause imagine, imagine you're a hotel group. You're about to spend $500 million on a project. The pandemic hits and nobody's going to stay in hotels. So what are you doing? You're holding on to all this cash and you had to put it somewhere. And so we saw a lot of hotel groups, family offices, real estate groups start to dive into this category and this asset class because they wanted it to be, they needed to put their money somewhere. And so now you fast forward to today, they're saying, okay, yeah, I'm not shifting. We're still a real estate group or we're still a hotel group or a commercial group or a multifamily group. But what this asset class does for us is that it diversifies our portfolio and our holdings and our assets. And they still see it as we've talked about in other shows, it's not recession proof but recession resilient. And they're saying it's just a safe bet to put their money. They get the quick returns. Yeah. They're not spending all their money in there. So it's evolving. I don't think there's a, I always joke that I hope one day there's a glamping bank that people can go to and they could just pull their money out and, and everybody's fine and dandy, but we're still ways away from that. I was hoping that David Smith would be the one that could just start that and make us all happy. But right now there's four options and there were, but care to your point, 
it's still tricky. And when you're a small business owner, maybe without great credit and maybe you don't have a great proof of concept yet, people are always going to say, how do I know that you're going to be a good steward of my money? And that's still evolved. It's gotten better. There's more access and more opportunities, but it's still not a slam dunk, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I agree completely. It's definitely a barrier that I hear regularly is struggle to, to get access to capital, which we're not even just necessarily for purchasing a unit, a glamping unit or whatever, but on the development front and all kinds of whatever you might need capital for. It's been difficult typically for members to access and the glamping bank would be a dream. <laughs> a dream. Um, Maybe next year's project, yeah. Finish this. Yeah, finish this yeah. movement and just tell us like what you're doing at the glamping show too to help people with some capital needs. Yeah, what's great about the glamping show is that you get for the first time ever, we're on our sixth or seventh iteration. Once a year, we get all these like-minded people underneath the same room. And it's the same in any in, in any industry. When you have all these like-minded people under the same roof, just good things happen. So yeah. every year we're trying to do something new and different. So this year there's actually glamping on site at the glamping show sold out already, but that'll be new this year. And then like any other trade show or any other conference, what happens if you're, you're that campground owner who is maybe looking for a loan or an investment to add 10 glamping units to your site and you walk around a trade show and you're like, man, I just don't know who the people are who have the money. I mean, there's tables and there's boot and there's speakers and all that. If it's your first go about, you don't really know who to be talking to. We decided to create what's called the glamping investment connection to hopefully help solve that. So it's a whole three, four hour session where we've chosen six VA glamping businesses. So entrepreneurs and existing businesses who are looking to raise money and they get to pitch in front of this room full of banks, capital providers, strategic partners, brokers, and things like that. And we create this win-win where you have people who are looking for capital are in the same room as people who are looking to give capital or connect. And the hope obviously is that just good things happen from there. It's just one thing that, again, it's always no business is the same, no business needs are the same. And so the more, yeah, going back to the whole golf club analogy, we'll beat this one to the ground. This is just another tool that people can, another club that people can, can reach and use as needed and good things should come from it. But as capital continues to be a huge hurdle in, in every space, but definitely this space, capital's there. There are people who want to invest. There are banks who are willing to give loans, but now it's our mandate and our job to, to do a better job of just connecting the dots and making sure that the right people are talking to the right people. And then hopefully that creates more and more momentum. Awesome. Do you want to talk about, and I know you're not Mr. David Course who runs the glamping show, but do you want to talk a little bit about the glamping show in general uh, and tell people what to expect and why it came together and things like that. Just very briefly. And we'll have David on later, of course, to talk about the show. No, it's funny. Cause every time that the glamping show starts and we see the group of people, I get a little, there's a lot of people show up. There's several football fields full of glamping structures and tents that you can walk through. They do. It's amazing what the manufacturers can do and put up in a day. It's just amazing. And every year it's bigger and bigger. It's, there's vendors, there's an expo part of it that people can walk through at no cost. You just have to register. There's a whole speaker series. We're doing the investment connection. We're doing the business glamping business basics. And so to see what it is, even just today and excited to see what happens this year, it, it all started with there's the glamping show UK. And I was actually connecting on a flight in London and I, we, I briefly met the organizer of that show. And we sat down for a quick lunch and a beer and he said, Hey, do you think that this has legs in the United States to do some type of show there? And I said, yes, absolutely. I just have no idea how to really run a show or anything like that, but I'd love to help in any way, shape or form. And he fast forwarded the first show, which was pretty humble and Denver all the way up to now. And it's just great to see who's coming, the versatility and the, just the variety of businesses, right? Cause it's not just glamping operators, right? There's investors, there's technology, there's different services, there's different products that make sense. And so it's just exciting to see how this isn't just one lane that we swim in. There's just so many, it's an economy. It really is an economy. And so if anybody's even just interested in learning more, there's a lot of people who do show up who are in research phase. 
and they can just get all of the information that they need all at once, instead of feeling like they've got to have this conversation, research this topic, really the ability for them to just show up, get all the information. There really isn't anything like that. And then you can make up your mind afterwards, right? It, it might be something you want to jump into and you want to add more glamping units to your property or accommodation, or maybe you feel like it's not a good fit, but if you're questioning, if you're discerning, if you're exploring and researching, it really is that one-stop shop that, that gets you all the information that you need. And as you can see, those are all the manufacturers off to the right. So they put up all of those units that are there, huge lamping units. Those are all the vendors that have already signed up and more coming in every week. So as you can see, it really is incredible stop shop and it, it's just a, and it's fun. Hey, it's a win-win. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was in, I think I was at the, I don't know if it was the first in 2019 or 2018. Yeah. I don't even know the first year is probably, we did the first one in Denver at a hotel off of Quebec, maybe in 16. Okay. So I was at the first one in, is it Arapaho? Arapaho, this one. But yes. Yeah, so yeah. that yeah. So I was at the first one at that show. And then I think I missed, well, then COVID happened. Yep. And so they didn't have one. And then they had a virtual one. Or no, they had a virtual one and then they had the one last year that I didn't get to go to because I was in Canada and just too busy, but I'll be there this year again. So look, oh, great. Yeah. Um, no, excited to see a person. Yeah. It's really, uh, David's done a phenomenal job putting that together. Obviously he's got a whole team and all that kind of stuff. And Ruben, you've been a big supporter of that and so many other people, but yeah, super excited to get back there and see all those. I remember the first year we were there. Like the whole, like you're talking about everything was set up outside and we were going in and out and looking at the unique accommodations. And I think it, after the show was over, they had that extra day where you could go out and see it and it was snowing outside. Yeah. And was war, yeah so that was a, it was interesting. It was still like, it was great though. Cause you could still go inside. And see these are all season accommodations. So yeah, that's great. What else do we got? What have we not covered Ruben that you feel is important to do on an intro show about glamping? And again, for all of those who are just joining us. We hope to have David here as a regular guest next month with us. We're going to have uh, a couple of the people that Ruben has reached out to as well and just really focus this on glamping and some of the new things we're seeing. And then some special guests too, right? To talk about their stories. And yeah. I think this is a nice intro to just kick off the conversation and then hopefully we'll guarantee over the next several sessions, you guys won't have to hear me talk as much. And fortunately, you'll be able to hear smarter people who you who have great experience in the space and hopefully for the goal being to unmask some of maybe the things that people are thinking about or have questions or the unknowns about the space reality, just like every other space, but I think even particularly in, in a space that's newer than campgrounds and RVs, those experts are, we're all still figuring it out, right? We're all living in, we're all still trying to get through it and figure out the ever-changing landscape. And so. We'll have some great perspectives of some operators, new and veteran. We'll have some great from the financing and from the capital side, like his David Smith. And so hopefully we'll have a well-rounded guest list where we're really able to not only scratch the surface, but really dive into some topics within the space that honestly, the, the great thing about this forum is it allows for us to do that. A lot of times we're having these types of conversations separately on a phone. If you ask David Smith uh, separately, the amount of times we have a conversation and, and this just happened yesterday. I, uh, I was late to a call because we were talking and all of a sudden I'm like, oh shoot, 15 minutes late to a call. And we're having those conversations offline. So I think the ability and opportunity for us to have those front and center for people and hopefully they can have takeaways and learn from our conversations as well. Yeah. Cause we're also, we're also learning as well. So I have a two part question here and I feel like we give this man enough publicity already, but he's sitting in our chat already. So. Uh, Mr. Andy Hendrickson was asking on LinkedIn, Ruben, your thoughts on hotel operators entering the glamping arena. And obviously that's a broad question and you can get into it in a second, but yeah, we've been telling, I've been telling clients this for at least two years. Like this is coming. It's not quite here maybe yet. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is, but there's going to be a time where Marriott and IHG and Hilton figure out how to, I don't know, vertically scale this sideways, scale it, whatever, make it, you know, take that question, Ruben. Yeah. It's interesting because. Look at the three more popular verticals, right? You've got, we'll call it traditional camping RVs, and then you have glamping, which is in between in hotels. And they've all operated a little bit separately and on the fringe, almost, Hey, I, we can maybe hang out, but I don't really know. And we'll hang out on Saturday, but then I don't want to really call you for another month. And so 
They've always just operated a little bit separate, but starting to get to know each other. And over the last year or two, that's been just really at a different speed and a different pace. So those hotel operators are, they're already placing bets, right? They've already, they're already researching at a significant rate. They've already made investments. The issue is that this space is still a little bit too small for compared to a hotel space. Because right. at the end of the day, they're ready to spend a hundred million dollars at a time. Like we know that we've had those conversations with those groups, but some operations, which is still a great number to be in are worth 3 million. But you look at these and so they're waiting for it to mature just a little bit more, but they are actively, they're past the research phase. They're past the opinion phase. Now it's the investment thesis, placing smaller bets. And then at some point, we've talked about this in other shows, right? Is consolidation has really never happened at a, at a major level within this space and it's going to happen. And those hotel groups, those hotel, the money that's backing those groups, they will be the first ones to the table once there's an opportunity that's large enough and it's going to happen very quickly. But yeah, they're, it's not a, it's not a theory. They're behind the scenes, man, they're active. They're deploying money. They are placing smaller bets to them, which is still tens of millions of dollars. And then as it starts to make sense, they want to spend hundreds of millions of dollars. They don't want to spend. It's a scalability thing, right? Like we, like a years ago, somebody, when we were doing marketing for a couple of hotels told me that Marriott, for example, I think, and, and I'm probably wrong now, but back then Marriott wouldn't franchise a hotel that was less than 75 rooms or something like that. Because it just, the revenue wasn't there to match the whatever, I don't know, whatever profit they wanted to make or et cetera, et cetera. It didn't support. Yeah, yeah. It's a different formula. And so it is that kind of what we're waiting on to really tip the scales here is somebody to figure out how to make it glamping, but scale it into a 3 million to a hundred million. Yeah, that's a good point. And think about it this way too, where the larger players in the space right now in the glamping space already starting to do versions of that. There's these glamping spots. I have a hundred plus units, a hundred plus glamping units on their properties and all the F and B entertainment, weddings, events, you name it. And so yeah. they've taken that playbook because that is what those investors in that space have required. They don't want to place, instead of getting an operation up and running or three operations up and running at 25 or 30 units a pop, let's do one operation that has a hundred units because of that scalability. And there's good and bad with that. Good is that the investors do like that. You have economies of scale. There's efficiencies to your marketing. You obviously get more unit. Bad is that you might be a bit more on top of each other. And that's a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of units and a lot of people in one property. Those properties and some of the larger operators are already doing that. The question is going to be, What's next? They're the likely targets. And there's been like an under canvas who was purchased by a private equity group. You have these larger operators that are the prime candidates for a hotel group to be doing that. And yes, the unit count is important. It's part of that investment strategy and thesis, but when is it going to be large enough for them? That's a good question. And, and it depends. I think there's a little bit of a level of people saying who's first, but there's been significant cap auto camps last raise so that was public was I think 250 million. That's not chump change. So it, there's capital who's really going to be that first on the hotel side to really jump in that that's going to be interesting. I still feel like at some point there's going to be a blend here, right? There's a, there's obviously always going to be a place primarily for the isolated glamping spots that are separate and segmented and low traffic and in nature and without Wi-Fi and all those kinds of things. But I think at some point there's going to be somebody who figures out how to blend the, I feel isolated kind mm -hmm. of mentality, even though you aren't. And so the scalability will be there as well as the isolation. It's like putting up the big, huge, tall hedges around your yard and you feel like you've got your own yard and you're nowhere, even though a street might be on the other side of your hedges. Yeah. Like somebody's going to figure that out. And Carrie, you might see this at some of your properties that you guys represent in your areas. They're starting to dive into this space, but. It's a, it's super interesting to see the, from an AGA standpoint, we made a very conscious decision at the beginning, not to be a policing agency, to just let the market grow and let the market dictate what it needs to do. And every single day and every single week, you see somebody is, oh, I never would have expected that. That's crazy. That's crazy. Awesome. And that type of accommodation, that type of execution, that type of business plan. And I don't know if you guys have seen that where you guys almost get surprised and stunned by 
something that's in this space and maybe you don't like it, maybe you do, but it's different and it's unique and that's hard to jam into the hotel space. If that will yeah. in this space, people are like, oh yeah, okay. It's unique and different. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think it's one of the top strengths of our industry is just that there's so many variables that impact each of these businesses and their level of success, but having that kind of unique something really sets properties apart and makes them sought after. And those that have that or create it tend to do really well and are some of our most kind of robust and participatory members. And I think they're great champions and folks to learn from too. Yeah, absolutely agree. All right. Anything else you think they need to know, Ruben? We got about a minute and seven, six, five seconds left. <laughs> no, I'm excited to kick off this series. Excited for the guests that we'll have next month. I think this was a nice intro, hopefully not too overwhelming or all over the place for people. But I think with our guests that will come in next week, you'll see the, or next month, you'll see the very unique expertise that people have and the backgrounds that they have. So I'm excited to have these types of open conversations with people and really continue on in that process. So excited for the next one and for the speakers and topics that we'll cover. Yeah. I think we're almost going to find that we always run out of time, but we could, as we keep both messing up and saying next week, we'll have David next week. We'll have this. I feel like we could for sure do a show every week. Yep. If we all had the time to do that. Yep. Uh, unfortunately we don't, but yeah, next month we're really looking forward to curating that. And I know Ruben, you've got some irons in the fire. We're going to talk to some people and get some special guests and things like that. So really just, yeah, excited to see where this goes. Uh, and Kara, obviously if you have suggestions from Canada, we definitely need to know some of those people as well. Uh, yeah, great. So. That'd be great. I uh, encourage any of our members who want to join, join the conversation to reach out to me. Always happy to hear from you guys and all that boots on the ground stuff, that day-to-day -day experience stuff that's great perspective to have on the show. Awesome. Well, thank you once again, Let's Camp for sponsoring our show. For those of you who aren't familiar with Let's Camp, just really easy online reservation system to use. Uh, you can see their tagline is connecting campers with campgrounds. We're pretty sure they serve clamping resorts as well. We'll get an answer for that before our next show. But for now, really appreciative of Let's Camp. And as a reminder, you are able to watch our past episodes on mcfiresidechats.com, as well as on a podcast. You can listen in on that to Apple, Google, Spotify. That'll be up very shortly, but just super excited to kick off this clamping show once again. Thank you so much for joining us, Ruben. We're looking forward to all these special guests and amazing conversations we're going to have and just continuing to see this industry grow and evolve alongside outdoor hospitality as a whole. Thank you guys. Really appreciate it. And we will see you all next week for our campground owner focus show. Thanks, Thanks, Jesse. Thanks for watching this episode of MC Fireside Chats, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com.